0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you're listening. This is Davisville on KDRTLP 95.7 FM in Davis, California. You can find us online anytime at kdrt.org slash Davisville. I'm Bill Buchanan. I'm your host. Thank you for tuning in today. Well, you've got a smartphone, right? Most of us do. Does it ever do anything you don't want? Does it ever confuse you? And when you do have a question about something on the phone, where do you get answers? Friends? YouTube videos? Maybe you just click different things and hope for the best. Smartphones do a lot of wonderful things, but they're also tricky, sometimes inscrutable, at least in my experience. And they certainly change frequently. And they're just about essential in today's economy. Which makes classes like the ones taught by today's guest, I think, a really good idea. Louis Toro teaches two classes this winter, and he'll do it again in spring, at the Davis Adult and Community Education. This is, uh, some people would call this night school, uh, and they meet, his class meets at Davis High School. The classes are called Cell Phones, the Big Picture, and there's a follow-up class, Smartphone Basics and Apps. Louis, thanks for joining us today on Davisville to talk about this.
1: Thank you, happy to be here.
0: I'll note for the record, we're not actually using our cell phones to record this conversation, it's face-to-face, which is maybe less Common in the smartphone age. Anyway, what inspired you to teach these classes?
1: Well, I'm basically a bit of a cell phone historian, if you will. I, I started an industry in paging, so pre cellular. So I've been in the business since 1994, coming up on 30 years here. And I had retail stores. I actually started off uh, as a mobile business selling pager service and paging for PageNet, the largest cell phone carrier in the United States at the time started selling service and pagers basically out of my trunk, mobile.
0: You know, I, I feel like just in case there may be listeners who are thinking pagers, <laughs> those before phones, those were little devices you could carry, and they would basically beep at you, and they might display a phone number, right, if you're a, a customer, and it would say, hey, you know, call the office or call this number. That, that's what you're talking about, right?
1: It was, it was, yeah, probably the original big market or accessible to the public. It was the the, the beginnings of the the mobile uh, communication tools that were available to the public at large.
0: Okay. So you did that, and then uh, you stuck with it. It sounds like it sort of caught your fancy. You made a living at it, it sounds like. I did. And what do you do now?
1: Currently, I am an investigator with the Yolo County Public Defender's
0: Office. Okay. So you use a cell phone there probably in your job, but it's not the, it's not the core of your job.
1: Well, initially, I was brought on to do case preparation, digital and multimedia case preparation, believe it or not, most of the criminal evidence that comes down the chain through discovery through the district attorney now is cell phone data, a lot of multimedia data, video data, and the public defender's office is drastically trying to play catch up to the public defender and law enforcement who's had high tech crime units for, you know, five to 10 years now, so... There was some monies, uh, I believe, I believe there was some monies given to the public defender's office to kind of develop um, playing catch up with an analyzing multimedia data via cell phone downloads and preparing and examining and authenticating that, that data for criminal court present defense presentations.
0: So that's part of what you do is help. the
1: That's the main cusp of why I was brought on initially. But we had. Kind of no idea where we were going to go with it all, and I was the first person to take the position in that emphasis.
0: Uh, You know, uh, this kind of makes my point that these phones that we carry around with us—we call them phones, but they're not really phones, right? I mean, they're they're cameras, they're you know, texting devices, and it sounds like they're a source also of crime data.
1: Absolutely. Originally, I would say that probably a cell phone was going to become was just a mobile communication device, but it's become a mobile multimedia and computing device more than anything, which interestingly, the voice platform and even the text platform is now internet based. So it's not like we thought in the olden days where you had analog voice over from your old Ma Bell phone. It is actually digital. It's actually digital representation of your voice. So it comes through, it comes through, it's internet based through an app on your on the phone.
0: Yeah, you see, and I think to so a lot of people here that, I, I know, I know people who are confused by it. I, I worked for the tech department at UC Davis for a while. They don't really know how the phone works. I mean, they get the basic data comes to this device. I can do something with it here and send it out. This is part of what interests me. And part of what interests me about why you're teaching these classes is because these devices have become essential. But I think... They're very opaque to a lot of us, not necessarily deliberately so. I think it's possible for someone, if they really work at it, to study it and figure it out. But they're a bit of a mystery, and yet they've become essential. And so you're teaching a class that says, let's demystify it a little. That's how I see what you're doing. I mean, how do you see it?
1: Well, absolutely. If I went back in hindsight and like I went, if I went back to any of the old precursor sci-fi shows or even movies or things like that, such as Star Trek in essence, it's it's like the old Star Trek phaser, the Beam Me Up Scotty device. And if you have never, if you didn't come through uh, the development, kind of the development and the genealogy of how those devices uh, were developed from one device to the other, that being the pager, even the mobile phone, and how those technologies morphed into what is the modern cell phone, you'd be completely confused because you have no basis on where it came from for a lot of people, specifically elderly people my what I, I call my mature my mature audience mm-hmm. my mature customer they just get handed this device that looks like a Star Trek phaser and not given any instruction on it or where it even came from you would think it's from the future from outer space
0: yeah you know I thought it's kind of amusing that we still call them phones when they're clearly so much more than that, but listening to you now, I get the idea that's maybe just one basic way we we can keep a hold of comprehension. As we call it a phone, we know what a phone is, so this is a phone plus. Whereas if we called it a little, and technology is prone to this, you know, jargon and weird names and things like that. If we called it a little pocket, you know, multi-use computing utilization functional device, we wouldn't know what it is. But if you call it a phone, you think, okay, at least, at least I know what to call it. So I'm sure you, your days are full probably with your job. Why do you teach these classes? So once again,
1: uh, well, I don't even remember if I completely told the history, but I started off in in, in paging, yeah. and I I did it mobilely, and I had a full time job at the time, and my customer base grew mainly because I was really approachable and really practical with my service and even cost and things of that nature. I was I was really uh, tried to be concerned with the overall experience and with price factors and approachability, even overall full customer service on how to use it. So that kind of trickled into a lot of education and looking at the full wireless industry and what, what it was you could offer or how, well, you might how individuals might utilize their pager. So I did a lot of education even in the beginning about why you'd want a pager, why you would go with me. So what I found was as it, as, as it went on, I was doing a lot of full service work that a lot of people in the wireless industry weren't doing, such as I got into repair right away. I actually started off repairing pagers, and I was probably the first repair business for pagers that it, did it on the spot and, and really intended to really offer immediate services for for my clientele base. And then that trickled into the demand was, hey, we like you, my, my customer base grew, so I got an office. Then that grew into getting stores. And once I got the retail stores, that's where I really realized that there was a big need for helping people understand these devices. It was one thing to hand somebody a product and say, okay, here you go, Um I think you think you know what you're doing with this because it's emerging technology and you kind of got to be able to get on the floor and just run with it. But most people had them and they had no idea how they worked is what I found. But we were really pushing that technology right away, even back in the paging days. So what occurred was is as I went through the retail side and I started and I opened my full store, I found people in my store occupying a lot of my time figuring out how to use it. Whereas most of the stores just wanted to occupy the time starting your service, getting your money, getting your contract, maybe upgrading your device every once in a while because I guess I'm a nice guy. I found <laughs> oh my- myself becoming a captive instructor yeah, to the masses.
0: I, I mean, as, as I was listening to you now, I was thinking you know, when, you, when anybody is selling a thing, you kind of market it and that includes here's why you want it. But I get a sense that you were interested beyond just, hey, you've got it. Go out the door. Goodbye. You wanted to explain them how it really worked. And I can see how that would lead to a class at, at now the Davis School where you're teaching people how it works. Who, who comes to your classes? Both of them, the, the beginner class and then the more advanced.
1: Well, both classes are pretty much – they're overall entry level. Okay. And uh, I, I call it my – mature audience because I like to have a good time and joke around and I do it in my classes. And I think that, I think that eases some of the frustration right away to just have people kind of take a deep breath and find some humor and we can, we can all just find a space to play, if you will, play with the devices.
0: So now, but, but, uh, I think I'm hearing you say that this is that most of the people in your classes are what you would call a mature audience.
1: Yes, that's my joke. Call them, I call uh, a okay. mature audience or immature clients, elderly people.
0: Yeah. So But they're there because they want to learn how this works. So Yes. Okay. Yes. So these classes meet on Wednesday nights in Davis and days so and people have to be available to do it and so on. But how how many people do you tend to get in a class?
1: Well, that's interesting as I developed it, I found that there there I found that there's a sweet spot. About 10 people is the sweet spot. If I get less than five, it's not, not enough. If I get more than 15 to 20, it's too many. Because what occurs is, is because it's an entry-level course, that can be a, a giant range. I mean, it could be an entry-level course for, from some elderly person. Most people have a cell phone now. But there are still people that are coming on board and getting a new phone, their first phone. And those people sometimes don't even know how to power it up, how to wake up the phone or how to put the phone to sleep, which is the same button, the power button. So you might have somebody who is just trying to turn their phone on and you might have somebody who is trying to do some more of the advanced manipulations once they learn to use the fundamentals of the phone, which are typically voice calls and text messaging Standard yeah. text, alphanumeric, and multimedia text. So you'll have people that are trying to do some of the more advanced manipulations, multi-user text threads, multimedia text threads, embedding files, and things of that nature. So there's a big range there. So you really, you really can't have anything more than fifteen, twenty people because I find that it's all across, it's all over the place, and yeah. it just, it just eats up too much time. And you have people that. You know, you're on one subject and nobody needs to hear that subject or you're on a subject and everybody needs to hear that subject. And that's that's kind of a sweet spot.
0: So then do you have like a program where you teach people, you sort of take them through the basics and then you have like a Q&A session in the class? Is that how it works? Because I imagine this could just turn quickly into almost a help desk if you didn't structure it.
1: Yes. And I'm glad that you asked that question, because hopefully if there are any listeners that are going to take my class, or even had take, haven't taken my class, or even people that want to help people out and, you know, become better phone users or lessen the frustrations with people that are using phones around them that need help. There's some real easy learning principles that I've discovered and developed, and it's, it's kind of anti-classroom.
0: So can you give me an example?
1: So I think that... With my mature audience, you know when you're when you went to school anywhere from as as little as fifteen twenty years ago on back, usually in school we would do what would be memorization and drilling and drill, so you would learn how something works, you'd go through the steps and you'd repeat and you'd repeat till you master it the The problem with that and the pitfalls for that is simply as we know technology changes so much and even mm-hmm. the platform and the usage of the platform changes so much that it may look one way today and literally tomorrow it could be a completely different way your menu even looks how, how you manipulate the platform and how the platform operates it could be completely different so if you try and do memorization you're kind of you're kind of defeating mm-hmm. yourself because the dynamics and the, the way of the industry is, is constantly upgrade, constantly changing, so constantly morphing.
0: So you're teaching people basically how to discover how something works, how to learn how something works, and not just saying, follow these 10 steps.
1: Yes. Yeah. So what I've done is I've decided that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help my students lose their fear of technology, make it more approachable, let them know that they can own it, they can understand it. Demystify it, and even more, even more importantly, become an innate, natural user of a technology, technological okay. device.
0: I want to do a quick station idea, and then I want to ask you how you make people lose their fear. But we're talking with Louis Toro, who teaches classes on using smartphones and cell phones at the uh, Davis Adult and Community Education School. And this meets; his classes meet at the Davis High School. I'm Bill Buchanan. This is Davisville on KDRT ninety-five point seven FM. So. How do you teach people to lose their fear of technology?
1: So there's there's usually a lot of premise and assessing. One of the best things that I do in my class uh, right away, so it almost becomes kind of an assessment and uh, an advising, especially on the first day.
0: This is you assessing yeah, it? Okay. Yeah,
1: So just like, you know, if you came in and you were going to pick your courses or learn about your courses – maybe with a high school advisor or counselor, they might say, oh, well, it sounds like you're trying to do this or learn that, or this is what you want to do. There's this one class that's pointedly made up just for you. You should take that class. So what I do is I kind of lump that into the class or the classes. And I usually always do that on the first day. So what I try and do is I try and get to know each individual student's phone, Usage platform, be it Android or Apple or iOS or Android, and what it is they're trying to learn, what it is that they're having problems with, about their device, I ask them about their carrier, their plan because what what I want to do is is not only do I want not only am I worried about just the phone and your interaction with just the phone, I want to help you with your full complete cellular experience and how you want it to be in your life and how it can help you in your life and even further and better what it is that you actually need to get out of the device
0: you know i'm wondering if when you have that conversation with people you might be the first person who has asked them that be- because a lot of technology uh that we get it's it's a consumer thing right you know it's handed you buy it you know here's a list of its features and but as I'm, I'm imagining, as I listen to you, if I'm a student in the class and you come and say, okay, show me your phone, what have you got? And you're not doing like a 30-second diagnostic, it sounds like. You're saying, what do you want to use it for? You know, what do you want it to do for you? Yeah, I can see how that could make someone feel maybe that there's more potential with this phone as opposed to some difficult and, as you say, changeable thing that, you know, if you push the wrong button then you've just shared a text with someone that you didn't want to do or you deleted a photo or, you know, you, whatever. There's all sorts of ways we can have our phones go weird. Do you get a sense sometimes maybe this is you're the first person to ask and say, how do you want to use this thing?
1: Well, thank you for that, Bill. You know, I, I, I never thought of it that way. But what I will say is what I tend to find with elderly people is that the phone is almost prescribed to them.
0: Yeah, it is. It's like, hey, get with it. Here's this phone. Yeah. What are you? Some throwback. Yeah. And and even more so because the way these days, if you think about it, we're we're moving towards a cashless economy. Not there yet, but you can see it happen in you know, stores you go into. You know, cash is almost like, "Oh, you have cash?" You know, because everyone's using their smartphones. They've got an app on it. They've got a payment something whatever. Well, that can seem very weird if you spent the first 50 years of your life, you know, pulling out greenbacks or maybe a check or a charge card. My grandmother used to call them charge plates years ago. Uh, but you've got a good point there. It is. It's, like, it's almost prescribed.
1: Yeah. And there's a big social um, aspect to it all. I think that the younger generation, you know, be it from millennials on down, I'll say millennials, millennials on down, they think that you, there's no life without it and you need to get with the program and it's prescribed. And and then it's even a social judgment. And I think that along with that, it's almost once again, another reasoning why our society possibly, you know, I don't want, I think this is a harsh way to say it, throw away, you know, there's, there's no credibility to be in, to be an old, there's no credibility to the elderly. It's one more reason why, you you don't need to be seen. You don't need to be heard. But if you want to be heard, this is what you have to do. You need to get this phone. Uh, a, a good example of that is I find that I've had I've had um, my my elderly um, students tell me that that's the this is the only way my grandkids will talk to me is if I text message them. So with that said, back to helping them own their service helping them own their experience with the phone. I tell them, well, this, this is a tool, it's a communication tool. If you don't want a text message, if you can't figure out a, out how to text message, is that a reason as to why someone shouldn't communicate with you? You need to figure that out and you need to take a stance. If 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 you have the phone, you therein now have a communication device on the fly. So you can call your grandchild anytime you want Maybe you need to do the retraining and maybe you just need to, you need to make phone calls. So it's a, it, it should be a two-way street.
0: Yeah, well, and I, I think you're going to an interesting place there. Um, we, we've tended, as technology has come on strong and changed, we've tended to think, well, the older you are, the weirder it is. And, you know, you got to deal with it. But, of course, it's continuing to change all the time. I know when I worked on campus, I worked in the tech department there in communications for a while. And it was interesting as the years went by, we found out the people who knew best how to use email weren't the students. They weren't used to email anymore. Email was like, uh, you know, almost like postcards from a different era. Very fluent in the newer technologies they grew up with. But email was already getting to be a bit long in the tooth for them. Okay, so my point is, if you're a certain age, email is still a newfangled thing. Each generation coming up has new technologies, new iterations of technologies that as they get a little bit older, suddenly those iterations become outdated themselves. I guess my point is there's a lot of ferment here. And at a certain point, it isn't just about age and what someone grew up with. And it's how do you use the darn thing? We've got, oh, I don't know, six, seven minutes left. I want to ask you, what's a common, what's maybe the most common question your students ask you about their smartphones?
1: It probably almost always has to do with uh, interaction, app app interaction, and why certain things aren't automatically – don't automatically move forward. So in other words, why can't they just simply figure out a, – a big one is almost always downloading files and emails through the phone, text messages – how do they send them? How do they, how do they open them up and move them around when they get them? So they tend to don't understand that there are layers to the device, just like a computer. So the main thing is, is, is giving them a lot of analogies that it's similar to so that they can manipulate the phone in the way that they're trying to manipulate it. So ma- mainly is just understanding that there are layers. There's just not one leap. Because they're unfamiliar with it and they think of this, you know, just this modern miracle. It isn't really a miracle. There are layers and you have to fundamentally immerse yourself in it. And once you do that, you'll see how it triggers into where you want to get to with a broad understanding. You'll be able to manipulate device in any way you want.
0: So in other words, there's a system to it. There's yes. a way to make it work. It isn't just a magic black box where you hope you shake it the right way. Yes, you know, I've read suggestions uh, – you know, one of the things about smartphones and cell phones is people feel they're almost too attractive, too engaging. You know, people can lose too much time in them. There's this idea that um, if people are driven by their smartphones, distraction, maybe they should get a cell phone. And I guess we should make clear the distinction, right? A smartphone is basically a computer phone and a cell phone is well, – that was like an earlier stage of the phone, right? That was for phone calls and texts and things like that. Yes. Um, So in other words, if you switch back to a cell phone, a flip phone or, you know, jitterbug, I think they're called for – there's that one that's marketed for people who want a really simple phone. That's one way to sort of wean yourself off of the uh, content that's delivered by smartphones, you know, whether it's watching too many videos or social media. And, you know, that's a whole subject about the good side and the bad side of that. But – or this other idea of switching your screen to black and white so that the smartphone is less enticing with the idea that this helps encourage people to live more outside of their phone rather than in their phone. I was curious to know, what do you think, what do you see as someone who teaches how to use smartphones? Do you think people are spending too much time with them? Do these tricks help if someone wants to disengage?
1: Yes, uh, so I've heard recently and am and, and seeing that theres there's been a bit of a trend backwards to just – turning the device into just a phone, just a pure communication device being maybe text and just voice. So what, what's happening is, is people are going backwards and they're looking at the device as just a tool rather than an all-inclusive, immersed, multimedia computing device. So there are people that, once again, just want to text, just want to do voice, and they're doing that by getting dummied-down phones, moving back to just a cellular phone. There are th- there are ways you can turn those a- those more complex aspects of the phone off. Uh, even further, just talking about it uh, in my class, I talk about it a lot. And, you, and, we, and I think there's a movement where people are starting to have discussions about we are just too immersed and too busy living our lives through our phone where we should get busy living our lives in, in real life, in the real world. You're seeing a big movement towards that. And what I try and do in classes is just educate them further rather than it thinking, being looked at as God's gift to the world or the miraculous box that you could do anything on. I try and tell people to look at it as it is. It's just a tool. And being that it's just a tool, it is an all-encompassing, multifaceted tool, but you should be the one that chooses how you use the tool. And I use a good analogy with... Um, there used to be this, it got, it was probably in the eighties. It was this woodworking tool. It was a multi-use woodworking tool. And you could take that woodworking tool and you could, uh, you could use it as a lathe. You could use it a rip saw. You could turn it into a table saw. You could use it as a planer. And, you know, it was an all encompassing tool. And I know people that I know multiple people back then that had those tools. And I remember some people would have that tool and all they ever did was, you know, they'd used it as a rip saw and, you know, they are just trying to make a doghouse or a planter box. Then there are other guys who were using that tool to do full custom cabinetry, you know. So once again, just you, looking at it as a tool and then figuring out, well, how do I want to use this tool? How can I use this tool? And then honing it into your experience and your tool.
0: I think I'm hearing you say in there, don't buy the hype. Get the tool you need. Use the tool you need. If it's not what you need, change it. Learn how it works.
1: It's really that simple and should be that straightforward. Yeah, yeah.
0: Louis, this has been a fascinating half hour. I appreciate this. Uh, thank you for coming in to talk with us. Thank you. It was great. We've been talking with Louis Toro. He's teaching classes on cell phones and smartphones at Davis Adult and Community Education, a meeting at Davis High School. Should mention uh, DACE is you know it's basically a. a an organization in town that teaches classes, community classes, uh, some language classes, things like that. So this is right up their alley. If you want to learn more about it, their website is dace.djusd.net. D-J-U-S-D, meaning Davis Joint Unified School District. And you can find out about Louis's classes there. He's teaching this term and again in spring. Louis, thanks again. Thank you. I am Bill Buchanan. This is Davisville on KDRT 95.7 FM radio, if you're old school, podcaster if you're new. Thanks for listening.